Hi, I'm Adam McKay, and welcome to Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay, the show where we improvise a bedtime story to hopefully help you ease into a wonderful night of sleep during these crazy, bonkers times that we're living through. Hey, Adam. Harry, how are you? I'm good. I'm feeling a little sleepy today. Yeah, same here. And I think I heard something. We have a guest today. We do. This is an episode where we have a guest. I'm always excited about the guests. And I I don't want to always seem so excited about the guests because I'm afraid that it will make you feel less than. No, no. I like it. From the beginning, I wanted guests to come in. And I think it's enjoyable for people to hear different stories, different voices. So I welcome the guests. Well, I welcome today's guest, Cole Ascola, who I've been a huge fan of for a very long time. Well, Cole Ascola is, uh, they are awesome. Uh, I'm trying to think how you'd know them. Tuca and Birdie. Tuca and Birdie. They were really funny on Search Party. That's right. At home with Amy Sedaris. They're yes. great on that. I love Amy Sedaris. Um, yeah, they're, they're one of the funniest, sharpest, most interesting uh, comic voices out there. So I'm going to say, as far as getting a guest... Uh, A plus on this right. one. All right. So Adam McKay, B plus, Cole Escola, A plus is sort of what we're saying with this. You know what? I'm all right with that. Okay. I was always a fan of like 88% on the test. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got no problem with that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, ready for 100%, but first Cole needs a word to go from. All right. Uh, why don't we do a ship? In a bottle. A ship in a bottle. Okay, let's see what Cole does with it. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Harry. Hi, Cole. Hi. First of all, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Adam has given me a, a word to start you on your bedtime story journey, and I will mm-hmm. now give that word to you, and then we can, and then we'll go from there. Okay. The word is a ship in a bottle. A ship in a bottle. Imagine a woman. She's in her mid-40s. She looks a little younger because she doesn't have kids. And she wakes up in the back seat of a car. And she's very disoriented because... Normally, she doesn't wake up in the backseat of a car. She looks around and suddenly remembers she's on her way to the airport. And she makes eye contact with the driver of the car. It's an Uber in the uh, little rearview mirror. And um, she feels self-conscious because she's thinking, gosh, did he see me asleep? Did he see me like jostle awake? She looks down and realizes that there's some drool on her nice blue silk blouse. And she sort of lays her hand gingerly on the little drool stain to sort of hide it while she pretends to look out the window and smiles, even though all she's seeing is a bunch of industrial buildings and the freeway. So she gets to the airport She gets her bags out of the trunk of the car. She's still feeling 
pretty self-conscious with the driver of the car, which that's another story, and you can have me on another time for that. But so she gets into the airport and she gets out her phone and tries to pull up her mobile boarding pass, but the internet's not working for some reason. And she's like, oh my God, this is so annoying. I should have done this when I was at home. I'm, I'm usually so on top of it because she's so early also. By the way, I didn't mention, she's like an hour and a half earlier than you need to be for a domestic flight. So she's there two and a half hours early, okay? She's flying from Newark to LAX for a friend's wedding. It's not really a friend, but it's, she has to go to this wedding. Anyway, she can't get her mobile boarding pass up, so she goes to a ticket kiosk and tries to like punch in the different numbers, the confirmation code, and it's not coming up, so she has to get in line. And she's waiting in line, looking at everybody, thinking like, who, who are these disgusting people? How can they, where are they going? They're horrible looking. Where could they possibly have to go? And she's getting really, really annoyed at having to be here. And she's thinking about like, why is it my job to go to her wedding? I'm not getting married. Does that mean she doesn't have to like, you know what? I'm going to say that she has to come to my place if I want to like redecorate my apartment. And anyway, she's getting herself really, really worked up. And finally, she gets up to the front of the line and she pastes on a smile and goes through the check-in process. They check her bag. She gets her paper ticket and she goes to the security line. And, you know, it's not too long, but it's still moving pretty slow. And she's got with her just one little carry-on suitcase. And she looks at her paper ticket and she realizes, oh, fuck, I'm in boarding group C. I wonder if that's going to be an issue with my carry-on, if I'm going to have to gate check it, because that would be annoying because, because it always is. So she's in line to go into through security. And again, she's judging all the people and she's thinking, you know, like, you shouldn't be allowed to travel with children. She's thinking all these rules. You shouldn't be allowed to travel with children. You shouldn't be allowed to travel if you look like that, if you look like that, if you look like that. She's just disgusted by it, the clothes that people are wearing. And then she notices people are staring at her and she realizes, oh, I still have that stain from my drool. And she looks down and it's sort of like dried a little bit. And actually it sort of looks not unlike dried semen. And she thinks, oh my God, everyone thinks that I've dried cum on my blue blouse. So she again places her hand gingerly over it and she waits and waits and waits. And she's just so annoyed with everyone because they don't know how to get through security. She's like, how hard is it to take your shoes off and just like have your laptops out? Like have these people never flown before? Ooh. And um, when I come back, I'm going to sign up for TSA PreCheck. I'm going to sign up for TSA PreCheck. So anyway, she finally gets up and, you know, they scan her ticket, whatever. She has her laptop out. She puts the suitcase on top of the little conveyor belt and she's waiting to go through. She goes through, she holds her arms over her head. She's thinking, oh God, they think I have come on my blouse. She gets through and she's waiting for her suitcase and she notices they pull it aside. 
And she's like, what? She's like, oh my God, it's the fish oil. It's the fish oil capsules. I shouldn't have brought them, but my mom has dementia. And so I'm like really trying to be on top of like my omega-3. And so she's standing there waiting for the security guard to call her over. She does. It's another woman who's younger than her, but she looks older because she has kids. Oh, I forgot to tell you her name. Her name's Water. So um, Water is looking at this security guard go- thinking like, oh, she's younger than me and she's in this position of authority. Like, oh, how weird to be at an age now where all these people that are like in positions of authority can be younger than me. I don't like it at all. And she's like, when I come back, I'm going to make an appointment for my facialist and do some microcurrent and maybe ask about injectables. But anyway, so the security guard opens the suitcase and pulls out this gift-wrapped box. And um, the security guard, we'll call her Mavis. Mavis says to Water, what's in here? And Water says, oh, I'm, I'm going to a wedding, so it, it's a present. And Mavis just sort of like blinks and says, I know, but what is it? And Water thinks, oh, duh, of course. And she realizes, oh, she didn't want to spoil the surprise. And then remembers, but why does the security guard need to be surprised about what's inside? The surprise is for her friend, the bride. So she says, it's a ship in a bottle. And... Mavis says, a what? And Water says, it's a ship in a bottle, like, you know, like those ships that they put in bottles. And Mavis says, no, I don't know. And Water feels a little gaslit and and starts to wonder, wait, is a ship in a bottle even a thing? Like, is that, am I kind of crazy? Is that just something my dad had growing up? And now I think everyone knows what a ship in a bottle is. So Mavis says, we're going to have to, um, yeah, I'm going to have to open this. And Water says, really? And she says it in a way that's a little confrontational. And she realizes like, ugh, I shouldn't have used that tone because now we're adversaries and this is going to go badly. And it does because Mavis starts to take her time. She calls over one guy. She says something in his ear. He shakes his head. He looks over at water. Water feels self-conscious again, covers the quote-unquote cum stain on her blouse. They talk for a while, and um, then the guy takes over, and he says, What's in here? And she says, It's a ship in a bottle. It's a wedding present for my friend. There's no liquid in it. Like, I'm not sure why it's setting off your... And he says, Okay, 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 okay. As if to say, like, calm down, you're being irrational. And water again feels gaslit, like, oh my God, I'm not being that crazy. So he takes the gift, he takes out a little X-Acto knife and starts to cut open the packaging. And water is thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to have to re-gift wrap it, but you know what, it's fine, whatever. They'll open it, they'll see what it is, and I can just go on my way. I want this to go by as fast as possible. I'm just going to stand here and not try to make this any harder than it already is. So he opens the gift packaging and inside it's just a cardboard box. You can't see through it or anything, but it's just a cardboard box, sort of wine bottle shaped. Then he uses the X-Acto knife to cut the tape open at the top of the box. 
and tries to open it, but it won't open. And Water's watching him do this and realizing like, oh, he didn't cut the tape on one of the sides. And she's like, should I say something? I don't want to make him feel stupid. And then she's like, oh, he's not going to be threatened by that. So she's like, oh, there's some tape. And he, before she can even finish, he goes, I know, I know. She's like, oh, yes, I did make him feel stupid. So he cuts open that last piece of tape. He opens the bottle. It's wrapped in tissue paper, like like a gifted bottle of champagne or like a nice wine would be. And it's tied at the top with like streamers. And, and she did the streamers herself, those curly streamers where you use the back of the scissors to like pull on it and it forms a little curly cue. Might be dating myself here. Anyway, he tries to like untie it. And she's thinking, I wish he would just cut it. It's fine. It's all, I'm already going to have to rewrap it. But she feels like she can't say, just cut it. Because, again, he might get too defensive because he was just being so defensive about the tape and everything. And she's standing there and, and he's trying to untie it and she looks out at everyone else in the security line and realizes, oh, they're all staring at her thinking like, God, doesn't this woman, like, doesn't she fly anywhere? Like, doesn't she know you can't take liquids? And she's thinking, like, oh, they think that there's, like, wine in here. Like, it's like it's a bottle of wine or something. And they don't realize that, actually, I do travel a lot and I do know what I'm doing. And this is a crazy, just, like, one in a million wacky circumstance. But she's still feeling self-conscious, like an idiot. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So he's sitting there and he's trying to untie it and he's trying to untie it and then he says, hold on. And he goes back and he gets Mavis. And Mavis comes and then she starts to untie it. And Water's standing there thinking, isn't that so funny that like men are so bad at untying things? But Mavis gets it untied and like, and and actually sets the ribbon very nicely and gently to the side and she thinks, okay, Mavis isn't so bad. She's doing her job. And they open the package and they pull out this gorgeous ship in a bottle. And they're looking at it and they have never seen something like it before. And they're looking at it sort of like with wonder as if like, how did you do this? And they're looking at water as if to say, how did you do this? And Water is realizing, oh, they think that I made this. She starts to wonder, should I just take credit for it? And they ask her, how did you get all this stuff in there? And she goes, oh, well, I, (laughs) there's YouTube videos and it's just like little sticks putting in things little by little, which is sort of a half answer, right? Because she's not necessarily saying that she did it. She's just sort of explaining how something like that happens. And all of a sudden, another security guard comes over 
a much older woman. We'll call her Danielle. She looks at it and she goes, that a ship in a bottle? And Mavis and the man look at her and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, huh. And they go, she made it. And Danielle looks at water and goes, oh, what? No, she didn't. Look, look at it. Look, it's signed right there at the bottom. And they look and they realize, oh, yeah, there's like a little etching in the glass of a signature, um, Tobias, which is not Water's name, of course. Her name's Water and not, not even her last name. Her last name's Wall. So all of a sudden, Water starts to get a little defensive and be like, oh, no, 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 I didn't make it. But I, I was just explaining how it and, and all of a sudden, she sees all the security guards turn. And she's like, okay, um, and she starts to feel in trouble, but she's, you know, doing the math in her head. Like, it's not illegal to lie about making a ship in a bottle. They can't not let me on my flight. So she's sort of standing there. They look at her, they set the bottle down, and then they start to like talk amongst themselves. And the older security guard, Danielle, they're, they're whispering, they're whispering. <laughs> And Water's thinking, oh, they're not even talking about me now. They're, like, talking about other stuff. And she's getting angry. You know, she's still very early for her flight, but she doesn't want to be here, so she puts her shoes on. But as she bends down to do it, she sort of disappears. And she hears the man go, ma'am? And she stands up and she goes, yeah? And he says, you need to stay where we can see you, please. And she's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm putting my, my shoes on. And um, then Danielle comes over to her and says, we're gonna have to keep this, honey. And she says, what? Why, it's, there's no liquid. And then Danielle holds her hand up and says, this is not, no, no, there's sharp things in here. You are not allowed to be bringing this on the plane. We're keeping it. Not only that, you lied to us. You lied to all three of us here. And she's like, no, 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 I didn't lie. They asked, how did I make it? And and so I just explained how it's made. And she puts her hand up and she goes, no, 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 sweetheart. No, you're not getting this back and you're not getting on that plane. And she's thinking, oh my God, this is, is crazy, right? And she starts to like lose her mind a little bit, but she can feel that the more she starts to lose her mind, the more everyone's looking at her like she's crazy and being unreasonable because of course they don't know the whole story. So she's starting to like freak out, but that's not, I, I'm supposed to get on the, the plane for my, my, my friend's wedding. And then all of a sudden from around the corner in a wedding dress, her friend starts to walk towards her, the f- same friend she's supposed to be flying to LAX to see get married. And she's so confused. And then from behind the corner, another friend of hers that's supposed to be at the wedding comes out also in a wedding dress. And soon she realizes that there are so many people she knows that were supposed to, some that were supposed to be at this wedding, some that she works with, some of her friends, some people from her building even, are all coming out in wedding dresses. And then finally, from around the corner, comes her girlfriend, Samantha. And Samantha's wearing a tuxedo. 
And Water's thinking, wait, what is going on? And she's putting the pieces together and she looks over at the security guards and they are smiling and blushing and laughing. And the song, Marry You, starts blasting. Um, I don't know who sings it. It's one of the, it's a popular song. You know what I'm talking about. And Samantha gets down on one knee and says, Water, will you please make me the happiest woman in the world and marry me? And Water is just in complete shock. But she's mostly relieved that she's not in trouble and that she doesn't actually have to go to L.A. And she starts to think like, well, so they, they stage this whole, so my friend's not getting married? She's just A, relieved that she doesn't have to go and B, that she's not in trouble with security and that the attention that's now on her is positive. And she looks down at Samantha and she smiles so big and she says, can I think about it? They end up not getting married and the security guards who helped this proposal they got fired because it was like really against the rules and everything. Water ended up moving back to New Jersey where she was from to take care of her mom who has dementia. And um, everyone's pretty miserable right now, but it could get better. She's sort of waiting for her mom to die before she can move on to the next chapter of her life. But yeah, so that's the story of Water and the Ship in the Bottle. Cole, that was amazing. <laughs> I love that it ended on a happy ending and then got a little sad, but then mm-hmm. was hopeful. Yeah, so sure. Just, hopeful. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. Uh, Thanks. Is there, any, is there anything else you'd like to say before we cut the connection? Um, um, lock her up. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. Um, that's it. That's all. This was really great. I really appreciate Thanks. it. Yeah. Bye. Hey, it's Cole Escola. I'm not sure if you check your messages, but I I realized I left out a lot of detail about one of the security guards, the gentleman, mostly because from Water's point of view, she didn't really, she wasn't really taking him in. Um, But um, I feel like I need to let you know a little bit about him. He, I can't lie, he looks awful. He is 61, but looks maybe uh, closer to 80 because of decades of hard drinking. When he's at the doctor, the doctor says, you know, I really think you need to like think about quitting smoking. And he has to say, oh, I don't, I don't smoke. And he's been trying to get sober. Um, he hasn't really been able to put any long-term sobriety together, but he, he does try. He goes to AA meetings. Um, but when he falls off, he falls hard and his coworkers notice, you know, he's late. He doesn't show up sometimes, but his supervisor, not his boss boss, but his like immediate supervisor, he, he's younger, but he's also, he's sober. And he just feels pity for him because when he looks at him, you know, he sees his dad. He sees his dad. And 
you know, he's very lenient. He gives him a lot of chances. And the supervisor, Todd, <laughs> it's funny because Todd's wife is actually in Al-Anon to help, you know, cope with her husband's alcoholism. And she keeps telling Todd, like, I think you've got to detach with love. You know, he needs to be fired. He, you, you can't fix him. So Todd's sort of been flirting with starting Al-Anon meetings himself. But, you know, that's a big, it feels like a big commitment. It's, it's, it's not, but it, it feels like it to him. Anyway, um, I have to go. I'm at a restaurant and the waiter is right here. Um, so I'm going to order, but I just had to call you and, and give you some more information about the male security guard. Hi, um, I'll have the Bloomin' Onion. Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay is a production of Hyperobject Industries and Sony Music Entertainment. It's executive produced by Adam McKay, Claire Slaughter, and me, Harry Nelson, with production assistance by Jordan Allen and Zaley Mahone. Engineering, sound design, and original score is by Isaac Lee. Thanks for listening, and remember what they say, the best revenge for a bad day is a good night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs>